Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, I have with me two of our peer ambassadors of wellness, Alicia and Marlene, and we're talking about burnout culture. Before we dive into that topic, let's get to know our pause a little bit better. Alicia, you want to start to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Alicia Curtis. I am a first-year transfer student from College of the Sequoias, and my major is civil engineering. Hi, everyone. I am Marlene Henriquez. I'm also a transfer student from College of the Sequoias, and I am majoring in uh, public relations and advertising. So when we talk about burnout, we're talking about a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. Now, I think that's a description we can all probably relate to in some way or another. And I guess my question really to get us started is, where did this burnout culture come from? I mean, I think we can all agree that description is not exactly a pleasant one. It doesn't sound healthy. It doesn't sound positive. And yet I think somehow as a society, we've started to glorify this idea of working nonstop um, and kind of embracing this burnout culture. So what are your thoughts on this? I honestly, I've seen it since the beginning of social media. I've seen it since I, you know, back in 2012, 13, however long ago they made Instagram. I think people saw like there was this niche community of people posting like these cringy, honestly, posts on Instagram saying like, oh, you know, like rise and grind and everything. And so that's like my first iteration of it. But I think as time has gone on, it's sort of evolved in different ways. I think now I see it on TikTok and I see it on YouTube where people get up at 5 a.m. and they have these extremely detailed morning routines where they, you know, work out and they eat and they start their day at five o'clock or sometimes even four o'clock. Whenever I watch these videos, people say like, this is a life of a CEO or this is a schedule of a CEO. And I'm like, well, we're not, we're not CEOs, you know, and kudos to them for waking up at 5 a.m. But that's not sustainable. You can do that. Sure. But not every day. I'm sure that they feel a lot of accomplishment. I know that when I've woken up early, you know, you sort of have this sense of pride where you're like, oh my gosh, like other people are asleep right now. And here I am doing all these things. So it's really easy to get sucked into it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that it's not a sustainable way to live your life. I've seen burnout culture ever since I was a kid. Um, As far as I can remember, I've seen it. I've seen it in my own family. Um, My dad used to work for the Navy and he would be up at, you know, 4am getting ready out the door. And sometimes he wouldn't come home till late. And, you know, that of course depends on your job and your position, but even then he used to always take up, you know, overtime, you know, extra shifts and things like that. And I really think a part of that has to deal with your background. Part of that is going to be your socioeconomic background. And I think part of that's also going to be your culture. And if you are a first generation student, I'm sure you can relate to this, but a lot of us hear of this American dream. And unfortunately, that's not realistic. I know that there's more opportunities here than maybe in some other countries. And that's great. But the problem that we have in our society currently is this idea that you can only achieve that dream by working yourself to the bone. And I just don't think, like uh, Marlene was saying, that's not sustainable. Um, And unfortunately, it's really out there in our culture and it's really promoted and it shouldn't be because it's not healthy for anyone involved. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Alicia, because we're not saying it's a bad thing to wake up at 5 a.m. If you work best early in the morning, you want to wake up really early, 
that's okay. It's, it's how we embrace this idea that we're not, you have to just keep moving nonstop. There's no breaks. You move, you move, you move, you get stuff done. You never take a break, a breather. You never take that self-care opportunity. That's what we're talking about when we talk about this burnout culture. And you did talk about that idea of, of the American dream and, and how generationally or culturally how this affects us is different. So how does it turn up differently in different communities? I myself, I am first-generation American, so I can definitely attest to this. I come from a Hispanic family and my dad works himself to the bone, like Alicia was saying. And I think that that's something that we can agree across the board through different cultures and everything is that, you know, people are hard workers, but I definitely see it in my own Hispanic Latin family where my dad has worked my entire life and he hardly takes a break. And it's, it's not for lack of him, you know, not wanting to take a break, but it's this sort of need, like I need to go to work because I have to put food on food on the table because I as a Hispanic Catholic man, I am the man of the family. I am the head of the household. And so I think that there's maybe some, some sort of, I don't want to say guilt, but responsibility, maybe that, that he might feel that, you know, like I have to provide and I, I can't stop. I don't, I'm not judging on you. If you wake up at five in the morning, if you feel like you work best in the morning time, what I'm saying is at least get your eight hours because I know people that they'll go to sleep like at 12 and wake up at five. And that's not healthy and not, not just not sustainable. That's not healthy for your body. You know, your, your body needs a break, but what, it, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Like you said, is working yourself to the bone and feeling like you don't deserve a break. I can relate a lot with what you talked about Marlene with your dad and talking about that responsibility factor. I'm a single parent and there is that feeling of how do I take time when I need to keep running? I've got to keep moving. Let me make sure I'm doing everything under the sun, but that burnout is real. And if we don't stop, it's all the things that happen in, in that instance. Now I do want to talk about kind of that, if we don't stop in just a moment, but I also want to talk, Alicia, you mentioned you're a civil engineering major. I'm curious What's been your reflection uh, within your field when it comes to how you see burnout culture affecting maybe students within your same major or in the field? I know that Marlene and I also mentioned about our dads uh, wanting to work themselves to the bone. And I think that that's especially so with the males, because I feel like that's just a, whether it's a cultural thing, whether it's a society thing, I think males tend to experience burnout much more frequently and much harder than we do because they don't know the warning signs or they just don't believe that it's for them. Uh, I feel like that's just not excusable for them. And unfortunately, that's the case that I see in my classrooms every day. I'll see these guys coming in and, you know, they've had two or three coffees, you know, they've were up late studying or working out because they're trying to, you know, keep up their appearance. And there's all these things that play into it. And of course, our major is very stressful. Um, Not to say that other majors aren't stressful, but I know like in the STEM field, we have to be competitive every single day. You know, we're also working on side projects. We're trying to do internships. Um, and then especially in my field, it's not really talked about. There's a stigma surrounding burnout culture because, and especially when I was first starting college, a lot of our STEM classes would straight up tell us on the first day, this is a hard major. And if you're not willing to give up your social life, then you don't belong here. And that was a harsh reality for some people. 
because it is really true. There's a lot of give and take. Um, and if you're in a demanding major like that, it can really take a toll on you. So I definitely think that that plays a role in it because I know for my dad, he, we aren't necessarily Hispanic, but we did come from a low income background. And that really played a lot into a fear of not working. You know, what if I don't take that overshift? Will I have enough money? Will I be able to, like Marlene said, provide food on the table? And so that kind of raised me with this sort of like, oh, I got to because I don't know what the future holds. And that's scary. And I think the burnout culture really kind of attaches to people when they have a fear of the future because we're like, oh, if I keep pushing, then clearly everything's going to pay off. Um, and unfortunately, that's not always the case. I think as college students, correct me if I'm wrong, but I almost feel like this idea that you're going to have all-nighters, you're going to have to work and work and work and grind, it's almost just an expectation. It's part of your college life to burn out, to run yourself ragged. I hate saying this, but it's almost like a rite of passage, honestly. I mean, I remember, you know, when you're little, you're like, oh my God, like my parents let me stay up late, you know, like I can finally stay past 11 or whatever. And then as you, as I've gotten older, it's shifted and it's like, well, the longer that I stayed up, the more I did homework. I, I mean, I was in AP classes and stuff in high school and I worked a job and everything. And it was weighing on me because of like, I'm doing all of this because I want to get into a good school. That's the reason why, like, since I was little, like, this is what it's been leading up to. And once you get here to college, I'm like, why, why didn't I enjoy my time a little bit more in high school? Why didn't I go out and I, and do these things and experience these things? Because I don't want to necessarily say that I regret things, but I definitely look back and I'm like, Marlene, you could have taken a break. You know, you could have had a day to yourself. You could have learned a little bit more about yourself. Um, you could have learned a little bit more about what you enjoy. And even now, like I'm at the end of like, I'm in my senior year and I'm trying to figure out even now, like, who am I? Who am I outside of school? Who am I outside of the person that's always working? Who am I outside of the person who's always in the library studying? Like Alicia was saying, I think women, it's more, I think it might be easier for us maybe to see the warning signs, to see, you know, I'm really running myself ragged here. And I think that men have this pressure where they're not allowed to talk about their mental health. And we need to change that. We need to start talking about these things. We need to start, which is the good thing about this podcast. You know, we're having very open conversations about this, that like, hey, there's things that are wrong here. And how do we fix that? And how do we change that in the future so that it's easier for people after us to talk about these things? We just talked, and I think this was said multiple times, that recognition of what it is, where it's coming from, what are those signs? So how do you know you're burnt out? So personally, for me, I can recognize when I'm burnt out, when I feel this overwhelming sense of dread. Um, I could be doing a bunch of different things and I can have them all completed, but that won't get rid of this feeling that I have where it's like something's wrong. You know, I think also because women are a little bit more in tune with our bodies. We're allowed to talk about our mental health. You know, we kind of have to be able to understand what our body is going through for all kinds of different things. And so that makes it a little easier for us to recognize. Uh, so I know the other things that for me is like, if I don't just have this sense of dread, but I'm always tired, you know, no matter how much caffeine I take, I cannot keep up. I always just want to go lay down. 
The second that I feel like I just want to crawl in bed and do nothing for three days straight is when I know that I do need to take that rest day. I do need to actually do that. I need to take a day and just, you know, lay in bed for a whole afternoon. And that's just kind of just for me. I know it looks different in other people. Um, I've seen it others where they, they do even more, which is unfortunate, but they see that as like, oh, okay, I, I feel dreadful because I'm not doing enough. Maybe, maybe it's the opposite of that. And sometimes that can happen to me too. It just depends on the situation. And I definitely think it can vary by what you're doing in your surroundings. And so that's also why it's difficult to find out when you're burning out. I think if you can find some like five major key things that you do right before you burn out, and if you do burn out, then you learn that that, that's exactly what those warning signs are. Um, And I would suggest that you tell your family and friends what those are so they can watch for it too. Because when you're in that box, you can't see outside of it. What a great idea involving the people around you to recognize those things. Cause you're right. I I think half the time it's the people around us who might acknowledge and realize those things are there before we even see it in ourselves. So that's a really interesting approach. And I I like that idea of involving other people in that too. I want to say that I hate that when I get antsy, I get kind of snappy and I start snapping at people without really wanting to, but in how you said, like, keep the people around you notice. Very true. My mom will be like, are you like stressed out? And I'm like, yes, very much so. And so it is, that's how I know that I'm burning myself out. I I literally feel it. I have anxiety. And so, you know, I can feel my heart racing and I'm like, okay, like I need to take a step back. I need to relax a little bit, but yeah, like it's, it's nice to have a good support system. And unfortunately, some people don't have that though. You really have to learn who you are and learn your own and be attuned to yourself and your own body and what it's asking from you. If you need rest, take a rest, take a nap. Like, you know, your body knows that that's what it needs. And so your brain is automatically trying to get you to do that. But it's you as a person that's like, no, like I got to do this. I got to do this. And Unfortunately, nothing is worth your own health. You know, nothing is worth your own mental health and how you feel and how you act and everything. And so I would suggest that people to listen to your body. So in many ways, we've talked about how that hustle and grind have kind of become really glorified, but I think we have to kind of stop and shine a light on what actually happens when you burnout. What does that look like? And Alicia, I know you experienced this personally. Would you be willing to share a little bit about your experience here? Yeah. I personally went through a burnout episode that actually landed me in the hospital. There was a time, as Marlene was saying earlier, STEM majors get a lot of pressure. And there was a time where I was first doing all these classes and I was trying to do what I love on the side, which is theater. So I was doing rehearsals. I was getting up, like you were saying earlier, I would get up at you know, 5am and I would get ready and I would be out the door by six and I would go do all my classes and then I would go do rehearsals. And sometimes I wouldn't get home till probably 1230am. Some nights I wasn't even five hours of sleep. The sad thing about that too, is I knew I was burning myself out, but I was like, oh, but this is what I expected. You know, I should have been more prepared for this. This is my own doing. This is my own fault. You know, I have to take these classes. I need to keep doing this. So there was a night when I, when I came out of Denny's, And I was in my car and it was, I believe it was 3 a.m. And I was studying for a chemistry test that I had. And I went back into my car and I'm a commuter student. So I still live about 30 minutes out from my college. 
And I had gotten in my car and I just remember like putting my head on the steering wheel and it's kind of sort of like letting out a type of yell um, or like a small scream. I don't know how you would phrase that, uh, which is very unusual for me because I'm a very quiet person. Like, I don't think I've ever really yelled unless it was something that I needed someone's attention for. And I knew that I had done that. And I was like, oh, that's unlike me. You know, something's desperately wrong. And I had still just gone, well, I got to drive home. So I drove home that night and I get home and into my bed probably around 4 a.m. And I got right back up at probably seven, let myself sleep in a little bit. And I got up and I went to go take my test. And to me, I realized I did it all for nothing because I, I was in my test and I was like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I, I know I just spent five hours at Denny studying, but I don't, I don't know what any of this is. And I knew that I failed it right out of the gate. And I was like, oh no. And I just, unfortunately, I didn't let that stop me. And I just kept with my schedule. I kept waking up early, staying out late. Um, I was doing a show that required me to be there seven days of the week. So my weekends weren't even free. And that was like my first full load of STEM classes. So everything was just crushing down on me and I just didn't get myself out in time. And so that following, that was all in fall semester. So in the spring semester, at this point, I was doing my third show back to back. I would went from one show to the other. And as a stage manager, you have to be there early. You're the last one to leave. You're the one taking attendance. You're the one taking meeting notes, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're the one running everything. And in springtime, there was, a, there was a moment where I was trying to go to class and I just got really sick and I just couldn't do anything. And I started coughing and, and I just was like, oh, I must be like getting the flu or something. I remember going to the doctors and I was like, look, my show opens this weekend. Like, I just, just give me what I need to get through the next two weekends and we're good. You know, I'll be fine. Then I just got worse. I was like three days after. And I went back to the doctors again and I said, hey, uh, my show opens in two days. Can you give me something for this? And they go, oh, we think you have a virus. So I need you to like stay home a day, make sure you take these meds and then go back. So I went through opening weekend. I got us through the opening weekend. And then that next Tuesday, I was out. I struggled so much waking up that morning. I could not feel like I was breathing. I was coughing. And I went to the doctors again. I went to an emergency room and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but I need help. I've been to two doctors already. And they scanned me, they did x-rays and they find nothing. They even tested me for flu and they were like, you don't have the flu. So I was like, I don't know what's wrong. I took that day off. I took the week off. I went home. I got my notes for school. That Friday, I forced myself to try to go back in school. I told my parents goodbye because they were going on a trip and my mom was worried about me. I said, no, no, it's fine. Like I've already been to the doctors. Like, I'm sure everything's good. After they left, I was, I was actually getting ready to go do a presentation. And right before I went out the door, I got so sick. But, and that was a sign that nothing was happening because now not only was I coughing and having a hard time breathing and all these other things, but now that was so detrimental to me. I just remember shaking violently and I had to call my friend because I was home alone. There was no one there. None of my friends were in town. Everyone moved away for college. And I called my friend who lived in Dainuba, which is 30 to 45 minutes away. I said, I need you to come pick me up. Something's wrong and I can't drive myself to the hospital. And she comes and gets me and I get in the car and I go to the hospital. And within that five day frame, they found that I had pneumonia in my lungs and it had already progressed. I ended up getting admitted for a couple hours while they gave me IVs. I remember coughing every single second or every other second. I just remember going, how am I going to get through the day? 
you know, how am I going to get through the next 30 minutes? Not because it was so painful, but because I couldn't stop coughing. I could barely catch my breath. And I remember that when I got home from the hospital after that, that I needed to do some big changes. I could not go to school for a full month after that. And that gave every single reason to my professors to fail me from classes. But I remember after that semester that something had basically just broken inside of me. And I remember having to, to sign up for extra help. And I started looking into services because my friends just saw like the inner personality me kind of die. Um, and I just, I wanted out. I wanted out of college. I wanted out of school. I wanted out of all my responsibilities. And I kind of had to take a deep breath and go, okay, what can I do to fix myself? What can I do to never do that again? This is too important of a conversation for us to rush through. So we're going to actually be breaking today's episode into two pieces. Uh, so I'd encourage you to tune back in for part two of our conversation on burnout culture. Thank you.